All right, I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me from these three verses in Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and also Proverbs, the 19th chapter. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 says, The preparation of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Amen. Down eight verses, you come to verse 9, and it says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19 and verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart. Watch this. But it is the Lord's purpose that will stand. There are three words that I want to ask you to pay, pay close attention to. Plans, purpose, and in between those two words is something called process. And if I can summarize what these three verses are saying, they simply mean you can plan all you like, but God has the final say. Amen. It also means that if your plans interfere with God's purposes in your life, He reserves the right to overrule and to scuttle those plans. So whatever plans we make, we got to make sure that they're in alignment with His purposes because if your planning is in opposition with God's purposes for your life, then those plans would amount to nothing. Now, only as they are in alignment with His purpose will those plans be established and accomplished. Now, let's talk about plans for a few moments. God says, you've got all these plans that you've made for your life. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What you want to build? Whom you're going to marry? What kind of life you want to live? Those are your plans. And some of you may even have grandier ideas of what you want to become and or what do you want to achieve. And we've got many plans and many dreams. But the reality is, my friends, many of our plans don't pan out the way we actually thought they would because there's something that we fail to understand. We fail to understand that man can plan all you like, but the outcome of the matter depends on the Lord's overarching principles and purposes for your life. And God says, look, I already have a purpose for your life. I know the end from the beginning. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I have written your scroll for your life long before you were even conceived in your mother's womb. And all you need to do, all you need to do is to discover my purpose for your life. Because once you know your purpose for life, then you plan according to the purposes of God. What we do so often is we put the cart before the horse. We make plans, but we are oblivious of His purpose. You know, sometimes we think that God is in our lives to fulfill our dreams and our plans. If that's how you think you will be disappointed for the rest of your life, I can tell you that for sure. But when you realize that you are alive on this planet to fulfill His dreams, come on. Then every day is an adventure, every day is a dream and you get to explore and enjoy this most wonderful God. The two scriptures also means a few things. Number one, His purpose is more important than your plans. God's purpose will always prevail over your plans. And when there is a conflict between the two, His purposes will supersede your plans. The second thing is that His purpose precedes your plans. And what that means is that before you were even conceived, God had a purpose for your life. He has gone into the future and He has placed whatever resource that you have already needed beforehand. Hallelujah. Romans 8 verse 28, well-known scripture. For we know that all things, everybody say all things, work together for good for them that love God and are called according to His 
purpose. This is not a blanket promise for everyone. This only applies to those who are seeking to please God and who are called according to His purpose. And the decree was given by the Lord to Paul to let us understand that you're not just part of the plan, but you're also part of the purposes of God. And if your plans are not in alignment with His purpose, then He reserves the right to overrule those plans. When it comes to our lives, I tell you this, my friends, God's purposes are paramount, amen. And all our plans must be in conformity with His purpose and we must trust Him in the process. Now, listen, each plan of God that He has embarked on includes people that He has chosen for the task. But please hear me. People are not irreversibly bound to the plan unless they choose to. So God predestined events, but He does not predestine people in the fulfillment of the events. Am I making sense to you? So say God has a plan and a purpose for us in this community. He's raised us up to be, He's raised you up to be part of the team that He has chosen to bring transformation to our community and also globally as well. So He brings people into His plans to fulfill His purposes. Cornerstone is a collection of diverse people from every background, every ethnicity joined together by the Holy Ghost to fulfill His will, to fulfill His purpose. There are two parts to it. It's what we are becoming. That's the vision and our mission is what He has called us to do. I'm making sense. Now, if you say no to Him, then He will raise someone else because His plans will not be thwarted. I say all of that to say people are not tied to the plan. Watch this. Although He invites them into the plan, if they say no, then He releases them from their responsibility because in life, you will discover no one is indispensable. I can tell you this for a fact that if I'm gone in the next two months, God will raise somebody and you guys won't even miss me a bit. Hallelujah. In fact, somebody just wrote me a couple of weeks ago, a very nasty email. He sent me a letter. He didn't, you know, there's no address or number. He said, Pastor Young, you and your wife are getting all stepped down. Get out of the way and let someone younger take over. Because of that, I'm staying five more years. Hallelujah. Because of that, I'm staying five more years. But if you say yes to him he will, and link arms with him, then you're not only just going to be part of this great plan of redemption, you're going to also experience his joy and his blessings. I'll give you an example of this. God chose me and this congregation to redeem the Bible College of Wales that has now become a global blessing, hallelujah. We just graduated our 16th batch of students, 400 students have graduated, the majority of whom are in full-time ministry, come on. But he also gave me, when we bought the Bible College of Wales, he made it very clear that he gave me the first right of refusal. He chose me, made it very clear that if I refused the assignment to redeem the Bible College of Wales, then he would raise somebody else to redeem it one way or another. He would save it because of the number of people that cried out to him. My goodness, in all the years that I've traveled, I've met uh, scores and scores of people who cried out for years for the Bible College of Wales to be saved. And I was just an answer to their prayer. Or we were an answer to their prayer. Time out for a few moments. Can you just imagine for a moment the number of prayers that are sent to the throne of God each minute of each hour of each day. It's staggering, staggering. 
And the God we serve is a prayer answering God and He wants to answer all those prayers, especially if they're in conformity with the purposes of God. So the Holy Spirit dispatches a myriad of angels to perform gazillion tasks on a daily basis to answer those prayers. His angels are ministers of the heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. I can just imagine, you know, all our prayers going up like telegrams and to this large sorting area, like a post office. And the angels are sorting out all the prayers. And you know, a prophet had a dream one time and he said, I saw those prayers that ascended up to this global this eternal post office and the angels were sorting the prayers and the ones that made it through to the throne had a stamp on it and on the stamp it says, Thanksgiving, come on. That's why Paul says, whenever you make your request to God, make sure it is joined and it is filled with the spirit of thanksgiving. Listen, I, I tell you this, I practice this on a daily basis. Every day I find 20 things to thank God for. Lord, there's so many things to be thankful for, amen. The very air that you breathe belongs to Him, come on. I thank God for every single day of my life, hallelujah, amen. But He also wants His people, He wants you and I to be an answer to prayer. My goodness, I wanna be an answer to people's prayer. And I suggest that when you do your devotions every day, incline your ear to God and say, God, what is the assignment you have for me? Say to the Lord, give me this day the assignments you planned for me. Who do you want me to speak to? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to give, Lord? Avail yourself to Him because He wants you to be an answer to someone's prayer. Be assured that every day is scheduled for you. God is very meticulous in His choreography in your life. He does not do random. There are no serendipitous events without Him arranging it. He's very meticulous. Seven years ago in the Kingdom Invasion Conference, I was talking about the Bible College of Wales just before Heidi Baker got up to speak. There's a young man who heard the, the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you signed up for this school, school and you go to the Bible College of Wales because that plan that I have for you is part of the overall purpose for my life, for, your, for you. The young man heard the voice of God. Shortly after the conference, there was a problem in his family. There was a tragic accident and someone passed away and his life tailspin downwards. I don't know if he was in depression, but he was in great discouragement. And in, in this discouragement, he decides that he's going to take time out and he gets on one of these cruise ships to Penang. And guess who was on the cruise ship? My wife and I and a team from Saint of Cornerstone. And when we met him, he saw us, he recognized us and connected with us. We talked to him about the Bible College of Wales and then he got on track again. He just graduated, full of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. Because that was God's plan. Because God had a purpose for his life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a Future, hallelujah. That's purpose, by the way. The psalmist says, commit our ways to God and our plans to Him and He will direct our steps. All you need to do is to trust Him in the process. Now, let me talk for a few moments about purpose. I talked about plans. Let me talk about purpose. When we talk about purpose, I see two different purposes in the Bible. I see a primary purpose. I see a secondary purpose. 
The primary purpose has to do with us being more like Jesus. There's only one benchmark, one yardstick for measurement in the entire Bible, and that's Jesus, hallelujah. So Paul gives us a little pinhole to the great apostolic vision in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. When you stand before God on the day of judgment, He's going to measure you by one yardstick of measurement, and that's how much you conform to His Son, Jesus Christ. Every Christian has that as a primary objective, but you also have secondary purpose or purposes, and that has to do with the work that He has called you to do. Now, this work can involve a whole lot of things, but the most important thing, we are doing what He has designed us to do. Amen. You get, cannot be always looking over your shoulder and saying, I want to do what the other person is doing. Listen, you got to find what you are comfortable with. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many people have said to me, oh, I want to be like Heidi Baker. I'm sorry, she's taken. The design has to do with potential and potential is determined by design. A bird can potentially fly because that's the way God designed it. A fish, a fish swims because that's the way God has designed it. What about you? What about you? Your potential is intricately woven into your design and your design is crafted according to your purpose. You come fully packaged with all the gifts and talents and aptitudes and abilities necessary to engage your, your life's purposes. As a believer, you got something extra. You got grace as well, hallelujah. Paul says, that's why Paul can say, I can do all things in Christ that strengthens me. The reason why I call this secondary is because if you put ministry before the development of character, which is your primary purpose, then you're putting the cart before the horse and you can be derailed. Now with regards to our secondary purpose, Paul tells us again and again that we've all been given a measure of faith, right? We've all been given a measure of grace. We've all been anointed by the Holy Spirit. If you say, no, I've not been anointed, then you're calling the Holy Spirit a liar. He has anointed you. He has done everything. He has designed you for a divine purpose. He has tailor-made you for a very divine, specific purpose. If you know what the God-given purpose of God in your life is, it will save you from living a wasted and a meaningless life. Come on. Hallelujah. He's safeguarding you from a lot of the schemes of the devil so that you don't waste time on unproductive things. Let me say a few words about process. Process is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul says, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or processed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul tells us that we're being processed to be conformed into his image from glory to glory. This is the goal, it's to look more and more like Jesus. All the fiery trials, all the problems, all the pain that we have to endure is so that the image of His Son, Jesus, can be formed in us. That's the process. How many of you have ever said, without raising your hands, have you ever said to the Lord, I want to be more like Jesus? Don't, that's a dangerous prayer to prayer, by the way. Because when you say that, you're actually des you're declaring a desire that God has put in your heart. And that desire to be more like Jesus does not originate from you. That thought, that idea did not come from you. It came from your heavenly Father. Hallelujah. That is the primary purpose. The word that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, transform, is the same word as metamorphosis. It means to be transformed into a different form, a different shape. A young boy was walking along the path when he saw a butterfly struggling to get out of a cocoon. He watched it with amazement for a few minutes, 
felt sorry for the butterfly because it was really struggling. So he took a penknife that he had with him and he cut open the cocoon to let the butterfly go free. And as soon as that happened, the butterfly struggled and struggled a little bit and then died. Because what the boy needed to do was to leave the butterfly alone. Because in his struggle to wriggle out of that cocoon, it was developing the necessary muscles and strength it needed to become a full-blown butterfly. And in cutting short the process, he killed the butterfly instead of setting it free. Ladies and gentlemen, don't interfere with the process. God knows exactly what He is doing. The God who loads your limits knows your lid. I've got a bit of a flu, by the way. That's why I sound a bit nasal. I tested myself yesterday. I'm negative. I was in Taiwan the last five days, by the way. Just got back. Uh, it, was, um, it was a bit of a vacation at break. My family, you know, I had friends. Pastor, you're going to meet this person. Go, I don't want to meet anybody. It's my vacation. And I still met several pastors, but... <laughs> You know, you can't run away from this because the devil doesn't take his vacation, you know. <laughs> Don't interfere with the process. Amen. Now, the alternative to this is he leaves us alone and that's the worst thing that can happen to anyone. And when you're talking about process, you're talking about time. Time is a word that we don't like, especially when we're going through a trial. We like to... God to speed up the process, you know. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23 says, it came to pass in the process. Watch this process of time that the king of Egypt died. In between the plan and his purpose is the process and process always has to do with time. Got to allow those things to happen. A well-known teacher once said, if you're walking through hell, speed up the pace. But I want to suggest to you that when God puts you in a trial, take your time. Because there are a lot of treasures of darkness to acquire along the way. Wait for Him to deliver you. This is verse that's been, uh, the Lord has been quickening in my heart over and over again. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10 and 11. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of His servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust. Watch this. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon His God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks, walk in the light of the fire and in the sparks that you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. When God puts you in a trial, never try to figure out a way by yourself. And what this verse simply means is you got to trust God in the process. Hallelujah. Amen. He brought you into the trial and He's the one that is going to bring you out of that trial and only He knows what uh, limits you can bear. The book of Malachi talks about how He sits as a purifier of silver. The fire is, He's got a fire before Him and He's purifying the silver. And the fire is not too hot that it will destroy the silver and it's not too lukewarm so that you can't get the impurities out. He's watching, I'm telling you, He doesn't take His eyes off you when you're going through the fire. If you're trying to find your own way out by lighting your own torch, the Lord says, you will have this in my, your hands. You will lie down in torment. Here's an example. I've had many people come to me going through financial difficulties, usually most times as a result of their own greed, sometimes because of bad decisions that they made. 
And then they pray and we pray together and the, the Lord says to, to them, trust me, I will bring you out of this. But they can't wait for God's deliverance. They can't wait for God's time. What do they do? They go to a loan shark. They go to a money lender and, uh, to get out of the problem. And next thing you know, they're living in torment because of the fear of the knock on the door at night. Sarah tried to interfere in the process that God was taking Abraham through. And when she did that, an Ishmael was born. When God comes along and yanks the carpet from under us, it's always painful, but it is necessary. Amen? And He has to get rid of all that junk and it will take time. If ever the Lord says to you, I'm doing a short work, it's at least 40 years. <laughs> now process, let me just say this, process and time is more akin to the nature of God than miracles are. We're a full, Cornerstone is a full-blown Pentecostal church. Boy, we believe in the miracles. We believe in the river. We believe in the, in the signs and the wonders. Uh, and that's what we want sometimes, an instant miracle. But the greatest miracle is for a Christian to go through 20 years, 30 years of breaking and suffering. And they, at the end of it, they still love God and they're not bitter. That's the miracle. I mean, just as Job. Woo! How many of you have asked God for a miracle? He's still waiting for it to happen. Well, maybe God's not, He's doing, trying to do something different in your life. Rather than give you a miracle, He's processing you and bringing you to the place He wants you to go, right? It will take time. And here's something to help us understand purpose. Romans 8 and verse 15. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now I want to explain this to you because it will really help you. In biblical times, adoption was simple to understand because it was often practiced. The context of the New Testament was framed in Roman culture. It was the wealthy in the olden times who had the resources to practice adoption. There were these landowners who owned extensive large tracts of land that had vineyards and olive groves and livestock. So say a wealthy landowner had only one son and he could see that his son would need help in running the, the entire estate. So what he would do, he would, he would send his servants to the nearby villages to select young boys, usually at the age of 12 and above, who had abilities, who possessed potential. And the servants would come back and inform the householder that in a certain village, there was a boy with potential. The master would ride out to meet this boy and after speaking to him, finds out that the boy was suitable. Then he would speak to the father. And he would say to the father, I can offer your son a far better life than you can ever do. I can give him the best tutors. I can provide him the best environment with the best facilities to help your son come to his full potential. And I'm willing to buy, purchase your son from you. Now the father has to decide, he has to contemplate and think. And he says, yes, it is true. I can never give my son the kind of life that this man can. I would be depriving him of something if I did not let him go. And in most cases, the father would agree. They would sell their sons to this rich man. The agreement was sealed customarily with seven witnesses. The sum of money was paid generally in gold and the young lad became the adopted son of the rich man. When he was brought to the home of the rich man, this boy had to die to his old uh, family, household, to become joined to the new household. And he had to call his master father and he underwent extensive training in the hope that one day he would be a joint heir 
with the Son. Hallelujah. Doesn't sound like the, the, the Scriptures. Now, not every adopted son would succeed. Those who don't were given lesser positions. But when an adopted son qualified, passed all the tests, he would then be adopted and become a joint heir with the man's son. And there was a feast to celebrate this coming of age. And at this adoption ceremony, he would receive a ring. He would receive sandals and a robe, hallelujah, from the father. Now you remember the story of the prodigal son. When he returned from the father, he took responsibility for his sins and shortcomings. And that qualified him for sonship. And that is exactly what we are called to be. We are the adopted sons, but there is only one begotten son of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now I close all this by framing this in the life of Joseph. I was thinking about this and I was looking at, a, I'm thinking about a, a man in the Bible that would, would exemplify this plans, purpose, process. And I thought, my goodness, Joseph, his life perfectly exemplified this. Was a young lad when he received a series of prophetic visions from the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that all these plans were going through his head, plans of grandeur, plans of rulership, but his plans didn't pan out the way he thought. Next, the next thing he knows, he sold as a slave to some slave traders who didn't sold him to Potiphar's household. He was then accused of sexual harassment and was thrown into a dungeon where for many years, he was the prisoner, a prisoner. That's the process. That's the process. But when it came time for Joseph to be taken out of the process, which was 13 years later at least. Boy, it didn't even take 24 hours. He woke up that morning a prisoner in chains in a dungeon. The same night he went to bed as the governor of all Egypt. Only God can do that, hallelujah. When the process is over, God will not delay one day to keep you in captivity. If you are faithful in the process, I tell you this, my friends, God will promote you to where He's called you to be. Hallelujah. And, but He will not cut short the process. Anything that's worth doing is worth taking time to do. Come on. I believe with all my heart that Joseph was ready at the age of 28 when he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. He was ready. He said to the butler, you remember what I did for you when you go out, make sure you tell Pharaoh about me, I'm innocent. And I'll tell you this, my friends, if the butler had told Pharaoh about Joseph when he was 28 years of age, Joseph would have been a free man and that was the end we would hear about Joseph. Right? He had to wait two more years and the timing was impeccable. The timing was perfect and only God can orchestrate this. Hallelujah. Amen. That when he came out of prison, he was made the governor of all of Egypt. An old saint once said, I served the Lord so long that I can, can hardly tell the difference between a blessing and a trial. Come on. Your job is not God's purpose for your life. Sometimes we think if I can only get that job, if I can only buy this house, I will be happy. No, sir. I'm telling you, Joseph's job as prime minister was not God's great plan for his life. The reason why he was promoted to governor, prime minister, was because God needed to save God, a family of 70 people. 
And then he was going to grow the nation under the protective cover of Egypt. 400 years they were in Egypt because out of that family, one day would come a Messiah that would be the savior of all of mankind. So my friends, how Joseph reacted to all the trials was not just about his life. It was not just about being the governor. It was not just about his family. It has to do with all of us. All of us are here because of Joseph, the way he handled the trials in life. It's always bigger. God's purposes is always bigger than our plans, my friends. That in a thousand years, in a million years, you can never conjure up a plan that's better than God's plan for your life. True. God's plans for Joseph was to save God a people that for 400 years would be in Egypt, protected by the, the nation of Egypt, which by the way was a superpower. And at the end of 400 years, they would cry out to God. It, the timing was impeccable. God would send a deliverer because Moses was ready, hallelujah. And they would go out into the wilderness and the great adventure of Israel in the wilderness would commence all the way to Zion, all the way to Calvary, all the way to you and I. Woo, hallelujah. Shandaraba. I'm preaching so much better than you're responding today. <laughs> I'll just close with this scripture, Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to know that you were not created with a built-in GPS. You don't have that. God did not put within you a spiritual GPS. And that's why we pray over every circumstance. That's why we pray over every decision. Lord, is this the will of God? Give me understanding. Show me the way that I should go. Amen. Amen. That's why we're told by Scripture, commit your ways to the Lord. Pray over every decision you make and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you because we don't have a built-in GPS. We must inquire of the Lord for the steps that we take in life. A lot of people say, Pastor, I only want to do what I love to do. I think that's a fallacy because in life, you sometimes have to do what you don't like to do. People think I like to travel. No, sir, I don't. But it fulfills the purposes of God in my life. Not my passion. Not my passion. You have to learn to do what you might not like to do in order to get to where you want to go. Come on, hallelujah. Amen. And if you don't find God's purpose for your life, let me just tell you this, Satan will supply one for you. God has a purpose for your life, so does the enemy, and we need to be ready for both. Let's all stand in the presence of God, please. Oh, dear Jesus, we just bless you. Shira Bahanda Yandra Sondara Sanda Kuri Shemeriana Lamasitiara. Lord, I just love thee, Lord. Hura Shandara Basika. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose for all our lives, Lord. Horamashanda, many other plans in a man's heart, but the answer of the tongue is from you, God. Lord, we plan our ways. Lord, but the, your word tells us it's the Lord who directs all our steps. Lord, overrule every decision in my life that is not in, in alignment with the will of God. 
I'm going to ask Lynette just to do one song and then we're going to close in prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.